Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and TJ2. Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is my big brother from the exact same mother, TJ2, the deuce. And a hush fell over the crowd. Are you drinking? Or are you a contemplator? Are you meditating? Yeah, yeah. Well, it worked so well last week when I whipped uh, Will's ass in that, that game show that I decided <laughs> to uh, go with caffeine so that I would have an improved level of mental acuity. Fantastic. What are you drinking? Coke, Diet Coke? Tea. Oh, okay. Perfect. I just yeah. had a cup of coffee and then I had tea. I need my caffeine hot and cold. Oh, okay. I can't do coffee after like three. So, all right. And we have our third wheel. Are you a third wheel? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it now. Okay. Maybe I didn't before, but... Well, there you go. We we have a tricycle of hosts. <laughs> Mr. Will the Thrill. And to that, I say greetings and salutations. So what are you drinking, honey? Because I feel like I know one of six answers it could possibly be. You're right. It is one of the six. And in the spirit that TJ mentioned, where I did get utterly whooped in the game show last week, I'm going to continue the depressants and I'm opting for the ale on the shelf. Oh, oh, you got your Christmas present then. I indeed did. Yes. Yes, he did. So you are a generous winner. What did you think? I would not give it to him? Well, I didn't know if he was home or what. Got it. I, I think you'll like that one. I tried it yesterday. Hair cinnamony for my taste, but I still, still kind of liked it. Yeah, there's definitely a winter spice thing going on, which is not necessarily bad, but, you know, like, again, it's maybe not for you for everybody. I thought maybe you'd go for that other one that was 9.8% alcohol. Oh, that's still in the fridge. Oh, that's next. <laughs> okay, good. While I've got the audience's attention before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, we actually have a special guest kind of looming over us, which is our editor, Zach. Hooray, Zach. Why don't you say hi, Zach, since you're... In our meeting, helping us have better audio. <laughs> sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Zach. <laughs> I help make sure everything sounds good when you listen to it. <laughs> which is no small, which is no small undertaking, yeah. frankly. You should, you should hear it before he gets his mitts on it. <laughs> yeah, before he gets his hands on it, it's just brought with cuss words and me going, uh. 
It's usually like 12 hours long before I get my hands on it. (laughs) Director's cut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wait till he gets a Joe Diffie episode. I'm just... (laughs) I'm just waiting for that day. <laughs> this episode is never going to air. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, we are so glad that Zach is part of the Rock and Roll Heaven family. So thanks for stopping in, Zach. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And thanks for making me a part of the team. I have a great time with you guys. Good. The way you explained him, though, he sounded like a, like a weird three-eyed uncle that lives in the attic or something. Plays with cupid dolls and eats his own poop. No, he's got three hands he he like, in the basement. Oh, the mysterious uh, guy's looming over us in the background. It's like, it's like they finally <laughs> let me out of the dungeon for this one. We, we let him out of the basement every once in a while, don't we, Zach? Every now and then, you know, I'll, I'll get the occasional, uh, you know, warm cup of coffee or uh, walk outside. That's all I need. Oh, excellent. Good. Glad we're treating you right. <laughs> <laughs> now back in the basement, you. <laughs> yep. Get back in the basement. You guys got to keep me in my place or I'm going to end up taking over. <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes it wouldn't be a bad idea. (laughs) There are times where I'm just like, what did I sign up for? Oh, wait, I didn't just sign up for it. I created it and made it a thing. Oh, God, what have I done? (laughs) I've created a monster. (laughs) Well, today you'll recognize that this episode is coming out early. And that is because this year we wanted to do our yearly wrap-up of our In Memoriam Just as a note, we are recording this on Thursday, December 29th, 2022. So if you're listening to this in the future and, you know, someone has passed after December 29th, we're sorry that we couldn't include them. We are doing our best. We're also going to be posting a comprehensive list of everyone who has passed this past year on our Facebook. It's going to be a very long post. So if you think that somebody's missing, you know, check our Facebook. I will give out our socials at the end of the show. I have someone who passed away as we're recording this two days ago. Oh my God, really? Oh, wow. On my list, yeah, I do. Oh, wow. Okay, so we're pretty much up to date, I do believe. And again, if someone does pop up, we will try to recognize them as always on our Facebook page. That's usually where we do it, so. I wanted to just mention real quick, I didn't realize that, Will, you were doing Taylor Hawkins. Yes, sir. His son performed on the drums, my hero with the rest of the Foo Fighters at a uh, tribute concert a couple of months ago. It's a very touching performance. So if you haven't seen that, I recommend it in general, but it also might be worth sharing in the show notes. Okay, excellent. Thank you. For sure. All right. What we're going to do is we're not going to do round robin. We're going to do... Each of us is going to do our list straight through. We have all selected 30 people and basically we're just going to kind of Lay them out, give you a little bit of info on this person. And yeah, it this was a this was a rough year. I do believe my original list has over eight hundred people on it. I actually did the math on your original list. If we did thirty seconds per person, and Zach, you'll enjoy the stat, the episode would be over seven hours. Oh my god. That's how we do it. I do enjoy that stat. <laughs> No, because I, I need to go to bed and I need to eat, not in that order. And I don't want Zach to go postal on us. No, seven hours. We'll be done at 2.30 in the morning. Then let's, let's say we go for it. <laughs> get, get out by Saturday. No big deal. Less than the usual 12. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Mr. Will the Thrill, would you like to take it away with your list? No, I actually prefer the term third wheel, but yes, I'll start. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, we talk about the massacre of 2016, but man, oh man, 2022 was a rough one. 
And it starts on January 1st, where we lost Nick Colleone. Nick was a jazz guitarist, known most in the smooth jazz community. He was also a bit of a fashionista. Interesting thing about Nick is his true age is actually unknown. We don't know it. In this day and age? Yeah, it's unknown. That's crazy. I know. He won the Women Tisdale Humanitarian Award in 2010. Obviously a contemporary in the jazz community. Uh, played with numerous artists throughout his career. He went to the hospital with health issues on the 31st of 2021. And we lost him on January 1st, 2022. Farewell, Nick. Next up, we have Jesse Daniels, who was actually the R&B singer behind the Force MDs. He was a Staten Island native, and he founded the band Force MDs. Songs included Tender Love and Love is a House. He would release six albums in his lifetime. We lost him on January 4th at the age of 57. The details surrounding his death were unreleased. Next, on January 6th, we lost Calvin Simon, who was, of course, tied to the Parliament Funkadelic. Simon was born in West Virginia, and he actually linked up with George Clinton very early in Clinton's career. He worked steadily with P-Funk through 2000, where he stepped away from music, saying he wanted to focus on two things, faith and his family. So he actually turned his music into that vein and released several gospel albums. Unfortunately, he did have a bout with cancer, which he would ultimately lose on January 6th. He passed away at the age of 79. Greg Webster, it's perfect that I cover this one because he was the last member of the Ohio Players. And you all know how I feel about North Love Roller Coaster. I have never as, as I was I, going through the list, that's yep. exactly what I thought about. <laughs> that's I did the same thing. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to take this one because I feel like Will needs to. It's kind of like uh, if Phil Collins passes, you guys will just blatantly refuse to do it and make me do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a form of therapy. It is. It's cathartic. Yeah. So this is my... Who release? He was born in 1938, and he was actually one of the founding members of the band, which originated from Dayton, Ohio. Of course, Love Roller Coaster is one of their most popular songs, along with Fire. We all know that one. He was hospitalized on New Year's Eve of 2021, and on the 14th of January, Greg would go on to join Walter and Sean, his bandmates. He was 84 years old, so farewell, Greg. That's still a really good run. Yeah. Hell of a career. Absolutely. And next was one that I think we can all feel, Ronnie Spector. We lost Ronnie in 2022. Spector was born in Harlem, New York, and she was one of the key members of the Ronettes, a really just powerhouse girl group, for lack of a better term. Hits included Walking in the Rain, Baby, I Love You, Be My Baby. Now, I knew all those songs, but I think like many people our age, I was really introduced to Ronnie when she sang back up for any money on Take Me Home Tonight. Uh, amazing vocalist, just outstanding lady, and we did lose her this year, sadly, on January 12th. Ronnie Spector lost her battle with cancer. She was 78 years old. If he could hit that dog whistle note. Oh, she had great. Oh, the range was unbelievable. Oh. I think you can find she and Eddie Money doing Take Me Home Tonight on Letterman. So it would have been like the old, like NBC era Letterman on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah. Because you're just like, hey, you know, that, 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 that thing that she does, that has got to be some kind of studio I'm game. Gonna, I'm going to ask you to never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've damaged a lung. Um, <laughs> no, but you hear that and you think, oh, that's got to be studio sheen and gimmickry. And then you watch her and Eddie on the Letterman and you go, no, 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 no she, she can just hit that. <laughs> And she just does it so effortlessly. That's the thing. 
So, like breathing. Uh, Ronnie, we do miss you. Joe DiOrio was a jazz guitar player born in my home state, guys, Waterbury, Connecticut, 1936. He would play with numerous jazz acts, which included Sam Lazar, Horace Silver, Eddie Harris, Sonny Stitt. He actually became a guitar instructor at the University of Southern California. In 2005, he had a stroke and actually had to learn to play guitar all over again. He actually lost the use of his dominant hand. Uh, sadly, despite all his accomplishments, Joe would pass away on February 2nd. He lost his battle with leukemia at the age of 85. Next up, we have Jamal Edwards. He was born in Bedfordshire, England. Edwards actually grew up in a singing household. He founded the music platform SB5, SBTV when he was just 15 years old. 15. And that platform launched Jesse J and Ed Sheeran, which is just unbelievable. Uh, he was a director. He was involved in fashion. He actually authored several books on how to find success, sort of help self-help slash business books. On February 20th, Edwards passed away. He was only 31 years old. Uh, the cause of death was cardiac arrhythmia and is speculated it was brought on by drug use, sadly. Next up, we have Richard Polidor, better known by his stage name, Richie Allen. Richie Allen was born on January 7th in the city of Los Angeles, 1936. He is famous for his work with The Monkees, The Electric Prunes, there's a band name for you, Iron Butterfly, Steppenwolf, and most famous, Three Dog Night. Still better than Tommy Webb and the Spiders. Terry Webb and the Spiders, or The Eternal Triangle. Whatever. That's the other one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. My apathy is it's peak. In addition to being a well-known musician and producer, uh, Richard was a lover of animals. He was a classic car collector, and he actually was a pilot as well. We lost him on January 9th of 2022nd. He is survived by his wife, Lou, and three children. We also lost Randy Rand, one of the founding members of the band Autograph. Yeah, that's right. Turn up the radio. Take me higher. Feels so good. Uh, he did find the band with the other members, and we lost him this year on April 26th. Randy was just 62 years old. May 13th, we saw the loss of Requid Javon Render, better known as Little Keed. Little Keed is a rapper. He was actually born March 16th, 1998, in the city of Atlanta. He released only two studio albums in his lifetime, best known for his song Nameless, which hit number 40 on the Billboard Top 200. He had ongoing liver and kidney issues for his whole life. In fact, he checked himself into a hospital in LA due to, quote, unbearable pain. And it turned out that his liver and kidneys were failing. And on May 13th, Loki passed away. He was only 24 years old, which is just horrible. We also lost Andy Fletcher of Depeche Mode. Yes, Andy Fletcher of the band Depeche Mode, which has been around since 1980, ladies and gentlemen, 1980. Fletcher was born on July 8th, 1961. Again, he joined Depeche. He founded Depeche Mode as their keyboard player, made his way into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2020. Over the course of his career with Depeche Mode, they released 14, count them, 14 albums. Sadly, he had an aortic dissection, which is brought on by, it's an injury to the aorta where the blood flow is disrupted. And sadly, Fletcher would pass away on May 26th. He was 60 years old, and after his passing, statements from the band strongly indicate that they will not continue Depeche Mode without their beloved founder, Andy. So farewell. Wow. 
Yeah, we also lost Deborah McCrary, a famed American gospel singer and member of the McCrary Sisters. She is a Tennessean, born on June 17th, 1954 in Nashville. She founded the gospel quartet, the McCrary Sisters. They sang with some people you may know, including Isaac Hayes, Ray Stevens, and Mr. Elvis Presley. Yeah. and Any major artist? Or... <sighs> now, I'm sorry. This joke won't land because you understand... Number one, I saw Isaac Hayes in concert in Myrtle Beach. And mom has a picture of me and Isaac Hayes framed in her office. And number yes. two, Ray Stevens is just th the man for me. Like, I, I don't care what you say. When he goes, he's mine. And I will bare knuckle brawl both of you at the same time with one hand tied behind my back if you guys argue with me. See, I knew Ray Stevens before I met you, LD, but then you launched my appreciation of Ray Stevens, like, over the top. Oh, he's such a good artist. Yeah, amazing. Uh, sadly, we would... And I mean, I mean, okay. and the thing is, Elvis Presley, that hack will never make it. Sorry. <laughs> He'll never have a movie made about him. <laughs> yeah. Oopsie poopsie. On June 1st, sadly, we would lose the lovely Deborah McCrary. She would pass away. And she was, let me see, 67 years old, survived by her daughter, Latonya, three sisters, two brothers, three grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren at the time of her passing. So, one amazing legacy there. Wow. We also lost the rapper Trouble. His real name is Mariel Samonte Orr. He is another Atlanta-based rapper, born on November 4th, 1987. He started rapping at the age of 14, releasing mixtapes. One of his mixtapes was actually released, a popular song called Bussin' in 2011. And he was immediately pegged as a rising star in the Atlanta rap community. On June 5th, 2022, he was visiting a friend's apartment, and there was an altercation due to a home invasion, and sadly... Trouble was shot during the invasion. He would make it to the hospital, but not much further. It was later found out that the perpetrator who actually pulled the trigger was involved with a domestic dispute with the owner of the apartment, and he had no idea that Trouble was even there. Uh, so we lost a rising star on that day. He passed away. He was only 34 years old at the time of his death. My birthday is June 9th. Good day. Well, it was very bittersweet because we lost Miss Julie Cruz. Julie was born on December 1st, 1956 in Creston, Iowa. She would make her way to New York and gain notoriety working with Angelo Baldamente and Mr. David Lynch on the film Blue Velvet. In fact, fun fact, fun fact, fun fact, there it is. She was Isabella Rossellini's vocal coach for that film. Weren't we literally just talking about Isabella Rossellini like three yeah. days ago with your mom? Well, she's great. What, what happened to her? No idea. Yeah, just fantastic. Isabella Rossellini. If there was only some way that we could have the collective knowledge of human history at our fingertips. <sighs> You're asking a lot. You're oh, well. asking a lot. Moving on. Uh, moving on. Nonetheless, hey, Julie. Hey, hey, you yeah. want me to do my Italian accent? No. <laughs> Mamma mia! I think we lost both our Italian listeners. I'm going to go ahead and apologize to the entire country of Italy. It needs more Parmesan Reggiana! God, it's worse than Chris Pratt doing Mario. Oh, Don't geez. worry. As as we go on, I got some notable Italian musicians on here. We'll, we'll get this one back. Don't worry. Okay. okay. Get a course <laughs> correct here. Good luck. Uh, Julie Cruz will continue to work with David Lynch over the years, and she was actually a prominent singer. But through it all, she suffered from two ailments depression, and lupus. Sadly, on June 9th of this year, Cruz would take her own life. 
She was survived by her husband, Edward Grinnan, who said during her ceremony, she left this realm on her own terms, no regrets. Now she will roam forever. Rest in peace, my love. So farewell, Julie, June 9th. The end of that month, on the 21st, we lost Mr. Artie Kang. Artie Kang. He was born Aaron Cohen on the 14th of, of April, 1929, from Columbus, Ohio. By the age of three, he was a known piano prodigy. That's right. He was cranking out tunes of the piano at the age of three. He actually started working in his teens as a pianist and became a session musician by the time he was 18 years old. Around that time, he adopted the name Artie Kang. He went on to work for over 250, yes, 250 folks, films and television shows, alongside folks like Frank Sinatra, Henry Mancini, Quincy Jones, and John Williams. We lost Artie in June of this year. He passed away at the age of 93. All right, get it back for Italy. We have Massimo Morante, Italian guitar player for the band Goblin. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yay, Goblin, Travis. Resist the urge. Spaghetti. There it is. Ah, rigatoni. Oh boy! You're just yelling out pasta names with a weird accent. Stop it. <laughs> Lasagna. Anyway, Massimo was born October 6, nineteen fifty-two, in the great city of Rome. LD, one of your favorite cities, I believe. He founded the band Goblin along with Maurizio Guarini, Fabio Picamantelium, and Agonasto Maragolo. If they're not Italian, I don't know what is. Uh, they, of course, are known for their soundtracks for the film Deep Red, Suspiria, and, of course, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. He passed away on the 23rd of June this year uh, due to cardiac arrest. Massimo was 69 years old. You said if that's not Italian, I don't know what is. Well, uh, yeah. I have an answer to that. Ravioli! And again, our Italian listeners are now tuning out. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. And then I was on Twitter today, and I found out that the director uh, of Cannibal Holocaust, the 1980s Italian found footage horror film <clears throat> that you have not seen yet, but I actually really enjoy, uh, and said with some skepticism in my voice, but uh, he he just passed away oh, no. um, today, the 29th of December. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Reguero Diodato. I think that's how you say it. And he was the one who was brought into court because they thought he killed his actors, correct? Yeah, because it was one of the first found footage films and they didn't understand that it wasn't actually a snuff film. And so he had to like bring them in and then he had to show them how the, the bicycle seat contraption worked, which is on the cover of some of the DVD releases. So it's ah. like, she's not dead. She's right here. Here's how this works. It's called special effects. So, bum, yeah. Bum, bum. Sorry to take you off, but I thought, you know, eh, that's that's my yeah. will. That's Fettuccine. Okay, moving on. We come to Donald Graham. Mr. Graham was born on the 11th of November, 1934. He was actually one of the first promoters for AM Records alongside Herp. Albert in 1962. Um, but before that, Graham actually made a name for himself being sort of a music, being able to do things in music that no one else could do. He was the VP of his high school student body and they needed an act for an event at school. He actually convinced Dave Brubeck and his band to perform at the high school for $85. That's amazing. Brubeck took the $85 and gave it to charity. So, <laughs> did he accept it? Eh, kind of. Uh, Graham would go on to be actually one of the founders of Tower Records. His career spanned almost five decades in the music industry. On July 7th, sadly, Dom would pass away. 
he contracted stomach cancer and we lost him. So really sad there. Barbara Thompson is a name well known in the English jazz community. She is actually was actually one of the greatest female saxophone players of our generation. She was born on the 27th of July, which is my sister's birthday, 1944. Barbara Thompson was one of the most prominent sax players playing the soprano sax, the alto sax. She was also a very skilled composer. These things moved her up the ranks very quickly, and she was actually awarded the MBE, member of the Order of the British Empire, in 1996, making her... Dame Barbara Thompson. She's not the only dame that's going to be showing up on this list, by the way. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Sadly, Thompson did suffer from Parkinson's disease. And as we all know, that's a battle nobody wins. We lost her on the 9th of July this year. She was 77 years old, survived by her two children and two of her siblings. Staying in England, we're actually going to go to one LD you picked out for me, Monty Norman. Do you know Monty Norman? Yes. Well, let's see if you do. He was the composer of the James Bond films. And the funny thing is, he appeared on our episode last week in the category Dead Canadian or Both. That's right. And he happened to be passed away and British, not Canadian. He was Correct. born in London yep, in 1928. Yes, he did compose the famous James Bond theme, which first appeared in 1962 in Dr. No. In addition, he worked with Benny Hill, Count Basie, Cliff Richard, and Bob Hope throughout his career. He started getting ill later in his life, and no source I found disclosed the exact illness. There's some speculation it may have been cancer, but we don't know. What we do know is, sadly, Monty did depart on the 11th of July this year. July 20th, Jody Abbott was drummer for the American band Fuel. That's a rock band from the mid-90s. Abbott actually suffered from a rare neurological disorder called Huntington's disease. Same thing Woody Guthrie had. We lost him on the 20th of July at 55 years old. July 24th, we lost Bob Heathcote, who was the basis for suicidal tendencies. Sadly, we would lose him to a motorcycle accident on the 24th of July. He was 58 years old. Stuart Anstice was the guitar player and a songwriter for the extreme metal band Cradle of Filth. He actually played for four years with Cradle of Filth. We lost him on August 21st. He is survived by his loving partner, Antoinette. On September 28th, Coolio passed away. Real name, Artis Leon Ivy Jr., born in Los Angeles, 1963. Of course, we all know him for Gangster's Paradise and the misunderstanding with Weird Al. He was actually found on the 28th unresponsive on the floor of his bathroom. He was rushed to the hospital, but we learned he had passed away from cardiac arrest at the age of 59. He had 10 children. Just want to throw that one in. 10 children. October 5th, we saw the passing of Lenny Lipton. He is famous for his poem, Puff the Magic Dragon, which is, of course, adapted into Peter, Paul, and Mary's song. He is a Brooklynite. We lost him this year due to brain cancer on October 5th. He was 82 years old. Franco Gatti was an Italian songwriter, guitar player, and keyboardist known for his mustache. He actually founded the group Riches and Pores. They sold over 20 million albums in Italy and across the world. He had suffered from a number of health issues. He passed away at the age of 80 on the 18th of October, joining his son, who had passed away in 2013. 
Sister of Carly Simon, Lucy Simon, passed away on October 20th. She is, of course, from New York and known for performing with her sister, but she also wrote musicals for Broadway, including Secret Garden and Dr. Zhivago. She would lose her battle to breast cancer at the age of 82, one day after Carly would lose her other sister, Joanna, to thyroid cancer. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, my Lord, that's awful. It is. God, what a talented family. Oh, no kidding. Absolutely. November 1st, Joseph Tarzia was a Philadelphia man born in 1934. He's given credit for creating the Philadelphia Sound. He founded a small studio that later welcomed the OJs, B.B. King, the Four Tops, and David Bowie. He passed away this year on November 1st, the age of 88. Keith Levine is the founding guitar player of The Clash. He and Mick Jones founded the band and convinced Joe Strummer to join them. We lost him on November 11th, the age of 65, due to liver cancer. Next is a guy I knew before I knew. John Andrew Wilkinson, better known as Wilco Johnson, was a British guitar player who played in the pub rock scene in Britain. He was actually known for his work with the band Dr. Feelgood, but many more know him for his role as the silent but menacing executioner on Game of Thrones, Sir Illin Payne. He worked steadily until about 2012 when he had to cancel shows due to health issues. He was diagnosed with cancer despite 10 years of treatments. Wilco Johnson sadly would lose the battle on November 21st. He was 75 years old. And I had to pick one to dive into a little bit and a uh, song. And this one just struck home with me. March 25th, 2022. Oliver Taylor Hawkins. Known as Taylor, he was born on February 17th, 1972 in Fort Worth, Texas. He actually moved to Laguna Beach where, TJ, you'll appreciate this, he went to the same high school as John Davison of Yes. The two of them were classmates, which is really funny. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, some of Hawkins' influences included great drummers like Roger Taylor, Neil Peart, Stuart Copeland, and another British drummer that we're just not going to name right now. He played with several notable, noticeable acts, mostly out of Canada, including Alanis Morissette and Sass Jordan. He actually joined the Foo Fighters in 1996 as a touring drummer. At that time, they had William Goldsmith behind the drums. There was friction between Goldsmith and Dave Grohl. So Goldsmith leaves, and Dave Grohl says, hey, you want to be our drummer? So Taylor says, sure. He steps in and would go on to release, count them, eight. Eight studio albums with the Foo Fighters and really became a face of the band next to Dave Grohl. He had several side projects. He worked with Dave Navarro. He worked with Chris Chaney, Joe Walsh, Nancy Wilson, Chrissy Hines. The list goes on. He was also actually an actor. They did a film where he played Iggy Pop, and the film was called CBGB. So... I saw pictures of it. I haven't seen the film, but it does look like Iggy Pop. It's pretty amazing. On March 20th, the Foo Fighters were playing a show in South America. It was part of the Lollapalooza tour. Unfortunately, emergency services were called to Taylor's room where they said he was suffering from chest pains. By the time EMS got there, the situation was far worse. Taylor was unresponsive. They tried to res him. No luck, unfortunately. Uh, they declared him dead on the scene. Taylor was only 50 years old. Toxicology reports came back and they found a number of substances, including opiates, cannabis, benzodiazepines, antidepressants. So it seems like a whole bunch of things just mixed. And unfortunately, we would lose Taylor Hawkins, March 20th, 2022. He survived, of course, by his bandmates, a gentleman in Foo Fighters, including Dave Grohl. Nate Mandel, Pat Smear, Chris Schiffett, and Rami Jaffe. He also left behind his wife, Allison, and three children. So we miss you, Taylor, a lot. And again, that I look up at the picture LD that you got for me. It's the picture of, it's times like these, you learn to live again. And I think appropriately, that's the song we're going to go with.
How do you like that uh, ale on the shelf there, uh, Will? It's actually nice. The more I drink it, the more it almost evens out. If that makes any sense. Mm. That's nice. kind of the way I felt. Like I took a first slug and I was like, oh, cinnamon, yuck. I don't like cinnamon. Other than in cinnamon rolls, I, mm. this is it. But I kept sipping it and it kind of, it did. It kind of mellowed out a little. And it, 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 was, nice. it was actually nice. I, kind of like, I actually liked it. Hey, TJ, I hate to interrupt you, but we do need to take a short sponsor break. And we are back. All right. So again, thank you, Taylor. Thank you to everybody on this list. Again, it's hard to pare it down to just 30 people, but those are ones that definitely stood out to me. All right. I do believe. Mr. TJ2, you are up. Yes. Ex- excellent list, third wheel. Thank you. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh that was awesome. <laughs> what was awesome? He just said third will. Third will. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Like Eldie said, it uh, takes three wheels to make a trike work, and that's a pretty good approximation of us. So, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Just a tiny a little weird... thing that, that children can operate. <laughs> <laughs> Just doing the <laughs> the whole way down the street. And and children and clowns. That's that's pretty much our target audience anyway, and that's who rides strikes. So anyway, yeah. right. and giggling hillbillies and large and bears. giggling hillbillies. <clears throat> so I have my list that I'm going to go through now. This is a person that Will actually mentioned in his last series. That would be Mark Lanigan. Mm. Before there was Nirvana or Pearl Jam, there was Mark Lanigan and the Screaming Trees. The Grunge Forefathers were a huge influence on all those bands that followed. He was also a member of Queens of the Stone Age. He died February 22nd and was just 57 years old. Kind of an unsung pioneer, Will, really. Absolutely. And a hell of a singer, too. Oh, yeah. Gary Brooker. He was the front man for the band Pro Call Harem for 55 years. He wrote and sang lead on the band's signature hit, A Whiter Shade of Pale. He died February 19th at the age of 76. Ian McDonald. He had a hand in founding two huge bands, King Crimson and Foreigner. He appeared on the latter's first three albums. He died at his home surrounded by family at the age of 75 on February 9th. A person I swear that we mentioned last year, but I guess we didn't. <laughs> I checked and he did die this year. It would be Vangelis. A composer and arranger, he's best known for his soundtrack work, including the themes to both Chariots of Fire and Blade Runner. He died oh, wow. March 17th at the age of 79. Ronnie Hawkins was nicknamed the Hulk, and he was an American-born musician that was a huge part of the Canadian rock scene in the 50s and 60s. And I believe we mentioned him in our Rick James series from 2021. I think that James played in his band for a while, if I remember correctly. His stage antics included something called a camel walk that apparently influenced the moonwalk. He died at the age of 87 on May 29th. Alec John Such, the bassist, was a founding member of Bon Jovi, though he left the band in 1994. Still, he was part of some of the New Jersey group's biggest hits and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with his former bandmates in 2018. Dan McCafferty was one of, to me, Rock's most unique voices. He was the lead singer of the Scottish band Nazareth, which had big hits with Hair of the Dog and Love Hurts. He retired due to ill health in 2013 and died at the age of 76 on November 8th. We mentioned his passing then. I said it then. I'll say it now. I swear to you that for the longest time, I thought that he was a woman. (laughs) The range is very 
yeah, his I, voice yeah. was so ah. harsh. Yeah, I, I legitimately thought that the lead singer of Nazareth was a woman <laughs> named Dan, apparently. But just four months before McCafferty died, Manny Charlton, the guitarist and founding member of Nazareth, passed away in Texas at the age of 80. His death was said to be, quote, sudden and not illness-related by one of his former bandmates. But here is a fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Charlton was at one point in the mid-80s enlisted to produce some early demos for a, a little California band you might have heard of called Guns N' Roses. Ah, uh, yes. We've mentioned them many times on the show. Mm, yes. Yeah. And they... I, I don't think you know, some of those songs. I think turned into songs that were on Appetite, but the the versions that he worked on, I don't think were released until a box set came out about 2018. But you you can hear those. But he did work with GNR. Harvey Jet. He was a lead guitarist for Black Oak, Arkansas. Of course, they had a big hit with the song Jim Dandy. His death was announced on December 21st. He was 73 years old. Christine McVie. As we said, when she passed last month, she was much more than just the other girl in Fleetwood Mac. The singer, songwriter, and keyboardist wrote and sang some of the biggest songs for one of the world's biggest bands, including Don't Stop, Little Eyes, Everywhere, Say You Love Me, You Make Love and Fun, Songbird, and on and on and on. She died November 30th at the age of 79. She had a cool voice, too. Oh, I loved her voice. God, she was a fantastic singer. She really was. And, and so different than Stevie in that way. I mean, vocally, they are night and day different, but every, you know, that combination worked somehow. It didn't generate as much attention, but Brent Tuggle, a keyboard player who spent two decades with Fleetwood Mac during their reunion era, died on June 19th. He was also a member of the David Lee Roth band in the 1980s. He died at 70 of cancer. Don Newkirk was among the first R&B artists signed to Def Jam Records. He was a musician and producer who worked with tons of well-known artists over the past 30 years. But if you're about our age, you might remember him best for his voiceover work on De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising album. <laughs> that was him. He was just 56 years old when he died on November 25th. How about Jeff Cook? A guitarist, fiddle player, and vocalist for Alabama. He was a founding member of the band that is among the biggest in country music history. He was actually cousins with bandmates Randy Owen and Teddy Gentry. Together, they had... This is just dumb when you start reading off Alabama's list of accomplishments. They had 40 number one country hits and sold 75 million albums. 75 million? 75 Holy million hell. albums. And they have three quintuple platinum albums to their credit. <laughs> what the crap? Ridiculous. Is that even a real number? Apparently, yeah. He died on November 7th at the age of 73. Had, uh, he had been battling Parkinson's disease. Jerry Lee Lewis, the rock wild man who later transitioned to country music, was the first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, in the first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction class and was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame as well. He gained infamy, of course, for marrying his 13-year-old cousin and generally for being a very hard-drinking, womanizing, pistol-waving, crazy person who shot his bass player, was arrested for being drunk and armed on the grounds at Graceland. He had trouble with the IRS and lots of other things, but he helped set the foundation and the template of rock and roll with songs like Great Balls of Fire and a whole lot of shaking going on. The Killer, as he was called, died October 28th at the age of 87 of pneumonia. Loretta Lynn, 
The coal miner's daughter wrote and sang 16 number one country hits, but more than that, she was a trailblazer for strong female artists. Born in tiny Butcher Holler, Kentucky, she was the second oldest of eight kids, was married at 15, and had four children of her own by the time she was 18. She made her first recordings actually in the late 50s, but she really began her Grammy-winning career in the early 60s. She left many a pearl being clutched with songs like The Pill... Her life was made into a movie, and she even had a surprise late career resurgence when she worked on the album Van Leer Rose with Jack White in 2004. A stroke in 2017 left her unable to tour, and she died October 4th at the age of 90. And I mean, seriously, what a freaking powerhouse she was. She was on our Mount Rushmore Country Ladies, right? Absolutely. I think she would be on anybody's. I think that was the one that we had the hat trick with. Like, we all had it on there. I think so, yeah. John Hartman, the drummer and co-founder of the Doobie Brothers. Hartman played on all the band's biggest hits in the 1970s, including Listen to the Music, China Grove, and Taking It to the Streets. He retired in 1992 after taking part in two successful comeback albums, Cycles in 1989 and Brotherhood in 1991. He died September 22nd at the age of 72. Mabel John, the first female solo artist to sign with Motown, she later signed with Stax Records, and had a top 10 R&B hit with Your Good Thing Is About to End. She was a member of Ray Charles's Ray Litz and turned to gospel recording later in her life. The sister of fellow artist Little Willie John, she died August 25th at the age of 91. Jerry Allison, he was the longtime drummer for and last surviving member of Buddy Holly's band, The Crickets. Oh, it was actually he who suggested the name Peggy Sue to Buddy for the popular song of the same name. He later played with the Everly Brothers, Eddie Cochran, Waylon Jennings, and a guy named Paul McCartney. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and was 82 when he passed away on August 22nd. Ramsey Lewis was a renowned jazz pianist who had hits like The In Crowd with his Ramsey Lewis trio. He earned seven gold records and won three Grammys. His career spanned more than 60 years. He died September 12th at the age of 87. Holy crap. One very recent passing, and I alluded to this when we started, is Joseph Marley, son of musician Stephen Marley and grandson of reggae legend Bob Marley. A musician in his own right, he was only 31 years old when he died on December 27th, and initial reports indicate his death was the result of an asthma attack. Mo Austin was a well-respected and super successful record executive who guided Warner Brothers Records for three decades. We mentioned him specifically because he came up during our series on Tom Petty in 2021. He's the one that signed Tom to Warner Brothers Records. Uh, he was 95 when he passed away on July 31st. I don't know if you guys remember, but last year, I mentioned some guy that none of us had ever heard of. And he had this crazy list of achievements. Like he invented the Mellotron and a bunch of stuff like that. And I think maybe synthesizers. Was he the guy that invented synthesizers? Maybe. But anyway, he was this really interesting guy that none of us had ever heard of. And I think I found another one of those guys in Vincent DeRosa. I, I was not familiar with him, but he was a horn player. His career spanned from 1935 until 2008. Holy monkey. Because he played on albums along with TV and movie soundtracks consistently for so long, he is considered to be one of the most recorded musicians in history. He was first horn for both John Williams and Henry Mancini and played with, among many others, Frank Sinatra, Barry Manilow, Frank Zappa, Boz Skaggs, 
Ella Fitzgerald, Harry Nilsson, The Monkees, and Sammy Davis Jr. And his soundtrack work included Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Edward Scissorhands, How the West Was Won, Jaws, Mary Poppins, My Fair Lady, Rocky, The Magnificent Seven, The Sound of Music, Batman, Bonanza, Dallas, Hawaii Five-O, Star Trek, and The Simpsons. <laughs> he, he played on everything that we love, basically, in one way or the other. He had an obviously a, a very well-lived life, and he passed away at the age of 101 on July 18th. I think that's the oldest. He holds the record as of right now. I think he holds the record. And <laughs> yeah. Think about the, who I just said and what I just said. He did everything. I'm still processing every TV show you've ever liked, every movie you've ever watched. He's playing the horn on it somewhere, basically. Jim Seals, one half of the popular 70s duo Seals and Croft, he helped craft memorable songs like Summer Breeze. He was 80 when he died on June 6th of an undisclosed cause. Hang on, that is such a good song. It's a great song. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of those ones that you you don't like seek it out, but they'll play it. And you're like, yeah, this is a really good song. And you and then when it comes on, you're just gonna you're just you're gonna jam with it, and you're probably singing it. Exactly. Probably are. Jewel Caples, aka Jewel Payton, she was known as the first lady of Death Row Records, and appeared on Dr. Dre's The Chronic, Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style, and Tupac's All Eyes on Me, among many other huge records. And was only 53 when she died on May the sixth. Mickey Gilly had 39 top 10 country hits, including the classic and probably my favorite of his. Don't the girls all get prettier at closing time? And a big re- uh, hit with a remake of Stand By Me that was featured on the soundtrack to Urban Cowboy, which he appeared in. He also acted on Murder, She Wrote, The Dukes of Hazard, along with a lot of other TV shows. He was cousins with somebody I've already mentioned, that being Jerry Lee Lewis and Jimmy Swagger, by the way. Apparently, for whatever reason, his death was publicly announced by Jeff Wagner, who's the mayor of Pasadena. I, I, don't, I don't know why that was. C.W. McCall was a radio ad man turned singer who had a massive crossover number one hit in the 1970s with Convoy. And then he had a string of other country hits. He died April 1st at the age of 93 of cancer. Bobby Rydell was a Philly-born teen idol of the early 1960s who had hits like Wild One. And he was also an actor who appeared in films like Bye Bye Birdie. He was 70 when he died April the 5th of pneumonia. I missed it when this happened somehow, but Roderick Pooh Clark died this year. He was an original member of the 90s R&B group High Five that had hits with Can't Wait Another Minute, which was a great song, by the way. Uh, And I love the way The Kissing Game. He was unfortunately left paralyzed from the chest down in an auto accident in 1992 and was just 49 when he died on April the 17th. Naomi Judd. A native of Ashland, Kentucky, she was a single parent raising daughters Ashley and Winona and attending nursing school when she started to sing on the side. She and Winona formed one of the most successful duets in music history in the Judds. Even though they were only really active from 1983 to 1991, they won five Grammys, nine CMA awards, had 14 number one country hits, and a catalog that included classics like Love Can Build a Bridge, Grandpa Tell Me About the Good Old Days, I Know Where I'm Going, Mama He's Crazy, and many others. She retired in 1991 after being diagnosed with hepatitis. She still performed intermittently, hosted a talk show, and did some acting after the group ending, but sadly she died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound after years of struggle with mental illness per her daughters, Ashley and Winona. She died on April 30th, one day before she and Winona were to be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. 
She was just 76 years old. Guy. Jeez. I say just, but she seemed ageless, sort of, to me. But and she was gorgeous, too. Like, she, it, the thing is, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm all about, you know, body positivity and the beauty. They looked like sisters, not mother and daughter. They did. Like, I agree. She, she looked that young. Yeah. Yeah. They're both beautiful, but they, they do look like sisters. Yeah. Jeff Carson, a country singer, he had a couple of big hits in the 90s, was not on your love in the car. Very admirably, he stepped away from music in 2009 and became a law enforcement officer. He died March 26th at the age of 58 of a heart attack. Jeff Howell played bass for both Bobcat and the Outlaws. He died at the age of 60 on March 5th after battling chronic Lyme disease for years. Willie Leacox was the drummer for the band America, who had a string of hits in the 70s, like A Horse With No Name, died February 2nd at the age of 74. Hargis Pick Robbins was a country pianist who played on classics by Patsy Cline, George Jones, and Bob Dylan, died January 30th at the age of 84. Don Wilson was the co-founder and rhythm guitar player for the influential surf rock instrumental band, The Ventures. Wilson died aged 88 on January 22nd. And I just listened, was just listening to The Ventures last week. Have you ever heard their Christmas album? No. no, I haven't. Their surf rock Christmas album. It's awesome. You know how I feel about Christmas music and Christmas movies and just Christmas in general. Bah-humble. And just Christmas and Santa and love and happiness and family and ham. Yeah, it's disgusting. I hate it all. Take it back. Give me yeah. more Halloween. So I've reached the end of my list. And last on my list is what I'm going to spend a few minutes on. This is somebody I actually did know personally, that being writer, journalist, and musician Peter Cooper. Now, I'm going to acknowledge right up front that Peter himself would openly balk at me spending more time talking about him than Loretta Lynn or Mickey Gilley or Jeff Cook or Jerry Lee Lewis or anybody else on my list because he was one of the world's foremost music historians, had a great love and respect for people who who created music. Still, the passing of those folks has likely gotten a lot of mentions and publicity, and his hasn't, but it should. Now, Peter was born in my home state of South Carolina. He went to high school in the Washington, D.C. area, but he returned to Spartanburg, South Carolina to attend Walford College, and he did consider Spartanburg his hometown. When he was either 18 or 19, he started the United Way of the Piedmont Youth Volunteer Corps. So he would go pick up kids from Spartanburg and Broome High Schools and drive them around to these work sites like all over the upstate of South Carolina. He was initially a school teacher. And one summer, he helped about 30 Spartanburg ninth graders, mostly from impoverished neighborhoods, who had failed English, pass the course in summer school so that they could advance to 10th grade. He had them reading and writing their reflections on lyrics to Nancy Griffith songs, (laughs) by the way, which sounds very much like a Peter thing. He organized pickup basketball games with them, too. He cared and he had empathy, and that would come through in his next two careers as well. So how did he go from being a teacher to a renowned journalist? Well, he detailed that in a speech that he gave at a feature writers conference this past June. And I think this is printed in its entirety in an obituary story about him. But once this episode drops, I'll probably post that article. But I'm quoting directly, quote, All right, I was 22. Big Roots music band who played bad guitar in unpopular bands in South Carolina. Still in college because I'd taken one year off to play my bad guitar and sing through my nose on the streets of San Francisco. My English professor called me and said he was sick with pneumonia and asked if I would drive an hour north from Spartanburg, South Carolina to Asheville, North Carolina 
to review a Guy Clark show for a weekly magazine called Mountain Express. He'd been assigned to review, but he was too sick to go. I'd never published any stories, but my professor said I was the only person he knew who knew every word to all of Guy Clark's songs, which was true. He said I could get into the show for free and bring a friend, and then I would just need to write an 800-word review. So 22-year-old college student goes to the show to offer his opinion on whether Guy Clark, already a legendary writer in his 50s, known for remarkable emotional specificity and clarity of language, was any good. But hey, free ticket. I took my slightly older, slightly inebriated friend, Ashley Fly, and we watched as Guy sang genius song after genius song with his son, Travis Clark, on the bass. Halfway through the sold-out library quiet show, Ashley began crying. He watched Guy Clark and son Travis Clark, and a lump came to his throat. And he said, way too loud, I wish Guy Clark was my daddy. Then he said it again, and then he said it one more time. I wish Guy Clark was my daddy. I made a note. When I wrote the review, I didn't lead with the biographical facts about Guy or with a measured appraisal of the show's highs and lows. I led with Ashley Fly and with I wish Guy Clark was my daddy. Now, I wasn't writing the stuff everyone else wrote. That Guy Clark is a renowned veteran of American song who delivers rhyming truths with whiskey gravitas. I was writing about connection, longing, regret, and pain. I was doing so with a chuckle line, but it was a chuckle line that got to something deeper. Guy Clark's presence is such that he can stand on a stage, sing a song called Desperados Waiting for a Train, and make a grown man weep over the tyranny of lineage. (laughs) What a great line. That is awesome. When I turned the story in, the editor called me and asked, is there really an Ashley Fly? I said, yes, I can give you his number. Then he said, did that thing with the crying and the wishing Guy Clark was his daddy really happen? I said, yes, you can ask anyone who was there. Then he asked if I'd be interested in writing more reviews and going to more shows for free and in sometimes getting CDs sent to me in the mail. I said, let me think about it, yes. And then he sent me a check for $25. Five years later, I quit teaching middle school, felt immediately better and went to work for the Spartanburg Herald Journal, writing everything from features to cops beat stuff to hard news. I was a general assignment reporter. First day on the job, I covered a drowning. I developed a weekly music column, regrettably called Pete's Picks, but most of the stories I wrote weren't about music. They had headlines like, store clerk shot in leg during late night little cricket robbery, diners find stress relief in lunchtime massages, and car slams into house. All real stories, end quote. LD, you remember Little Crickets? Okay, Little Crickets, number one. Little Cricket Dummy. Nah, you're supposed to say little cricket dummy. Little cricket dummy. You're supposed to say little cricket fool. Little cricket fool. <laughs> Those are the best commercials. But I remember when you lived in Union and there was that super sketchy little cricket up the street where the phone outside, if you pulled up, would start ringing just like creepily. And every person that worked there looked like they had been working for... um. What's the nice word? Um, a few hours, mm-hmm. as in like they were that they 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 looked like um <clears throat> they had done some recreational things that we don't usually uh, talk about on the show. That was the sketchiest place ever. And when uh, I smoked, you wouldn't go with me to the little cricket to pick up packs of cigarettes after like nine o'clock because there was a chance that I could get shot. <laughs> Yeah, there was. And uh, there was apparently if you pulled around back and knew that there was a signal, you blew your horn something, you, there was 
services available. Oh, did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, our, that's our little cricket story. There you go. <laughs> and I think you're all richer, better people for it. Now, in 2000, Peter took on one of the most prestigious music writing gigs in the country, that being as the music beat writer for the Nashville Tennessean. And his writing was very different. When Johnny Cash died in 2003, most stories said something along the lines of, Johnny Cash, a country music and rock and roll Hall of Famer whose sparse but electrifying sound captivated millions, blah, 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 blah. Peter had interviewed Cash. He loved his music. In his mind, the man in black was indomitable. He was bigger than life, and he was seemingly immortal. In Peter's mind, Johnny Cash couldn't be dead, but he was. And the lead sentence in the obituary story was, somehow Johnny Cash is dead. Boom. Winner, right there. That one sentence is better than almost any whole story anybody else probably read about Johnny. It was Peter, by the way, who was asked to write the epitaph on George Jones's headstone. So obviously people think pretty highly of his writing. And his words, he sang of life's hardships and struggles in a way that somehow lightened our own, appears next to the lyrics of He Stopped Loving Her Today, Where the Possum is Buried. So then you may ask, how did he go from journalist to musician? Well, he was moonlighting and playing a bit, singing. He played bass for Todd Snyder, actually, on both The Tonight Show and The Late Show with David Letterman, as Todd promoted his The Devil You Know album. It was Snyder and a few other friends who encouraged Peter to pursue his writing and singing. He put out the Clown Juice EP, but his first full album was Mission Door in 2008. He had three solo albums, three more with fellow singer-songwriter Eric Brace, and then the two of them did a couple of more as a trio with a fellow who, I, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name, I think it's Tom Jutz. He helped found the indie label Red Beat Records. He was nominated for a Grammy, Peter was, by the way, <clears throat> for producing a multi-artist remake of I Love, Tom T. Hall's Songs of Fox Hollow. No less an authority on the subject of songwriting than Chris Christopherson said of Peter Cooper, quote, he looks at the world with an artist's eye and a human heart and soul, which is pretty high praise coming from Chris, I would say. He left the Tennessee in, in 2014 to work for the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum. He wrote the book, Johnny's Cash and Charlie's Pride, and co-wrote Whispering Bill Anderson's An Unprecedented Life in Country Music and liner notes for the likes of Emmylou Harris, Christopherson, and many others. His first book was actually penned in his 20s, that being about the music history of Spartanburg called Hub City Music Makers. I think I met Peter, it was around 07, I want to say. I was hosting a, a co-hosting a radio show called the Piedmont Pick'em Show. He was going to be playing a show in town that night, and we knew that he had played with Todd Snyder a year or so before, and that he was local, he'd worked for the Herald Journal. And so I, I invited him on the show, and he, he immediately said yes. And he said, oh, so no, no, what kind of show is this? You, you guys are doing a music show? I said, no, no, we talk about football. He said, and you want me to come on and sing? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, okay. And he did. <clears throat> and it was awesome. He, he also fell right into our, as the two of you know, because you were both in the studio with us a few times, our insanely stupid conversations about everything under the sun that had nothing to do with anything. But also he talked about football and, and music and he played and he brought friends in to play with him and it was just terrific. And I saw him in concert, I think three or four times all at odd locations, once at a wine bar, once in a record store, and then once I think in somebody's garage. But 
all those shows were great. He always took time to come, you know, come up and speak to me afterward and stuff. He was just a super, super nice guy. Everybody thought highly of him. He did a lot of stuff for people he didn't have to do. He had a friend who had played with the band Jason and the Scorchers, who I don't know if he'd left the band and just wasn't doing well or, or what, but he was having to work a regular job. He didn't have insurance and he got sick, very sick, I think. And it was through Peter that this guy got health insurance and, and was able to you know, have, have whatever he was suffering with taken care of and stuff. So just, and he did a lot of stuff like that for people. So it was especially sad in early December when Peter suffered a fall of some kind and sustained a critical head injury. On December 6th, somehow Peter Cooper died. He survived, among others, by his son, Baker. There's a link in the story that I'll post to. That's a, I think a GoFundMe's been set up to pay for his, his son's college education. So if you're so inclined, you could chip into that. It's just a super nice guy, immensely talented. One of those writers that makes other writers feel like they suck and should stop and find something else to do, myself included. <laughs> so funny then that I'm not going to play a song that he wrote. I've spent all this time loading his writing. I'm actually going to play a song that's one of the rare covers that he did. But I, when 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 I found out that he'd gotten hurt and that things weren't going well, and we had a lot of mutual friends who were telling me, you know, well, little little improvement one day, and then the next things took a bad turn, and then you know he he unfortunately was gone. But it was it was the first song that I thought about and really wanted to hear. So this is. The title track to his first full-length album, Mission Door, this is he, the late Nancy Griffith. He got to play with and sing with one of his idols on his debut record, Sasuke McLean and Todd Snyder. This is a song called Mission Door. Through the mission door Wino sang hymns for the supper Blind Sally talks back to the preacher She says, man, she can't tell one sin from the other, no So it's hands on the Bible and tears in your eyes Kneel on the corner, pray for more wine Well, it's beans and it's bread It's a small price to pay to hold hands and Hands and go dancing, hands and go dancing on the old devil's grave. When the night falls on the mission door, you get a cot with a blanket, don't you spit on the floor now. And Sister Teresa, she's friends with the Lord, so no smoking in bed, no sleeping late in the mornings, no. It's hands on the Bible, tears in your eyes Kneel on the corner and pray for more wine Well, it's beans and it's bread It's a small price to pay to hold hands and go dance Hands and go dancing, hands and go dancing On the old devil's grave And hey, I look coming through that mission door It's Toke Sam and his best friend, Dollar Bill Hine Look, I ain't really a preacher I'm Tommy the Frenchman I like lucky strikes Jesus and wine, wine, wine So it's hands on the Bible Tears in your eyes 
meal on the corner, pray for more wine with its beans and its bread. It's a small price to pay to hold hands and go dancing, hands and go dancing, hands and go dancing on the old devil's grave. recording this on the 29th and I just uh I just got two pieces of breaking news neither of them are music related but I felt like I needed to to say this you guys today fashion icon Vivian Westwood just passed away and wow. this is TJ this is your wheelhouse uh soccer superstar legend the name that you think of when you think about soccer Pele has died yeah, that we yeah, Will and I had actually discussed that a little bit ago. That's uh, he's a goat. I, I don't yeah, think there's no a doubt kidding. about that. No. There are very few people who are as recognizable with their sport as him. I mean, Gretzky with hockey, maybe I, Arnold Palmer with golf, Tiger Woods with golf, Michael Jordan with basketball, Pete Rose with baseball. For well, all the wrong baseball would have a bunch, football has Kobe, probably a handful, but. You know, like, yeah, but like when you think about soccer, the first name that came to my mind. The, the, yeah, there's Pele. one. That, that's, there's there's, one. that's the first. Even people who don't follow soccer don't like, which I'm not really a big soccer fan, but I mean, for crying out loud, I know Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, don't, yeah. You, don't, you don't really like sports a whole lot at all, really. And you know who he is. Yeah. He's that ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's that's a big one. There's two more that are added to the stars because, geez, Vivian Westwood... She was not only like Hulk Couture, she was in the punk scene, you know, when it was first emerging. So, you know, and that's mom's 
area of expertise. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's just a bummer. Like, all my heroes are dying. I hate this. So I guess I will, uh, I'll get started. I did not do nearly as much writing as you guys did. So, <laughs> um, I did my job. <laughs> I put the list together, you dicks. My number one was Aaron Carter. If you guys don't know, Aaron Carter passed away at the age of 34. He's really, really young. And he had such a rocky life. He was found dead in his home and he was found in his bathtub. What you might not know is that Aaron Carter is the younger brother of Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys. But man, that's so young. So golly. And the thing is, uh, you know, I followed him on TikTok and I would watch him go live and it was just rough to see what people were saying to him in the live. And then like those people turn around on TikTok and just go, R.I.P. Aaron Carter. Like, no, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Don't be a jerk. You know, like we make fun of like, if you have something ill to say about the podcast, you send it to TJ because <laughs> LD doesn't like it. But the fact is, your words can hurt. Your words have an effect. And when it's dogpiled on by the entire internet, that can affect somebody. I'm not suggesting that there is anything having to, there's no correlation between people on the internet and what happened to him. But I'm just saying like, it's just really weird to see people being like, you look like you're strung out. You look like you're on crack. And then the next day being like, oh, I loved him so much, you know, when when I was growing up. Like, I hate that. I hate it so much. But he had a piece of my heart because, number one, he was on Dancing with the Stars. He was in the Broadway musical Susical, and a show that I've actually done off-Broadway, The Fantastics. So he has been working since the late 1990s, right about the time his brother hit fame. He came out with his own album, and he was just, you know, he was so young, and it's so sad. The next one is Gary Roberts, and that is the Irish guitarist for the Boomtown Rats. He was 72. The Boomtown Rats announced that their guitarist had been found unresponsive in his home. Like I said, he was 72. There's two reasons why I'm doing my longer one right now is because, of course, I will be ending the episode. And so I just wanted to... Talk about Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury was 96 when she died. And she, I feel, is like in the same pantheon as Betty White, where, yeah, she was 96, but she left us too soon. She was such a versatile actor, singer, dancer. She was a murderous baker, a singing teapot, a Soviet spy, a sleuth. She had a ton of memorable roles. And she was a dame. She was an Irish, British, and American actress and singer, a career that spanned eight decades. She played various roles on film, stage, and TV. And although most of her life she was based in the United States, her work would attract international attention as well as a large number of awards. At the time of her death, Lansbury was one of the last surviving stars of what they would call the golden age of cinema. She was the recipient of numerous accolades, including six 
Tony Awards, including a Lifetime Achievement Award, six Golden Globe Awards, a Lawrence Olivier Award, and the Academy Honorary Award, in addition to the nominations for three Academy Awards, 18, 18, one, eight, 18 Primetime Emmy Awards and a Grammy Award. British-born American character actress who achieved success and acclaimed for basically every medium that she stepped into. Uh, Lansbury and her widowed mother, actress Monia McGill. I do believe I'm saying that correctly. If I'm not, I'm sorry. But she immigrated from England to the United States in 1940. And from 1940 to 42, Angela studied acting at uh, the Fagan School of Drama and Radio in New York City. And her film debut came in the psychological thriller called Gaslight. And she played this uh, this devious Cockney maid, and this earned her an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. And then she appeared as Elizabeth Taylor's snobby sister in National Velvet, and she received another Oscar nomination the following year for her supporting actress in the picture of Dorian Gray. Now, she played wicked and virtuous characters equally, displayed her versatility in such films as the Harvey Girls, State of the Union, The Three Musketeers, that was the 1948 version, The Court Jester, Long Hot Summer, and a sh- movie that I was actually in the remake of, The Manchurian Candidate, which was in 1962. And then that would be where she would receive her third Oscar nominations. Her later movies included Death on the Nile, which was 1978, not the one that just came out with Gal Gadot. But she was also in Mr. Popper's Penguins, Danny McPhee, uh, and Mary Poppins Returns as the Balloon Woman, which... There's some okay songs in it, and the it's just a long movie. It's long, but that, that ending made me happy. And then where she really shone was her Broadway debut in Hotel Paradiso as the leading role. She was also in A Taste of Honey and someone who we'll be talking about next week, which is the Stephen Sondheim play, Anyone Can Whistle in 1964. Her breakthrough actually came at the 1966 series on Broadway for MAME, for which she actually won her first Tony Award. But I think pretty much we all remember her for several roles. Let's let's play a game. TJ, what do you know Angela Lansbury for? To me, number one most would be obviously Murder, She Wrote, because that was one of our grandma's favorite shows. Yep. Whether we wanted to or not, and we I think we did, we, you and I both were pretty much forced march through every episode ever. <laughs> yep. Essentially. I still watch it to this day. <laughs> I actually rediscovered it a couple of years ago. On, I was on vacation one day and it was raining and I couldn't like go out and do anything. So I just, I was like, hey, what's on TV? And it was like a marathon of murder. She wrote. I said, hey, I'll just watch this. And I was like, oh yeah, this was, uh, this was actually a pretty good show. Yep. It was, uh, it's, it's still good. It still holds up. It's, there's a great, if you're looking for a a great YouTube channel, I suggest a YouTube channel called Pushing Up Roses. She's hilarious and she breaks down how bananas some of the episodes of Murder, She Wrote actually was. So I, I highly suggest that. Now, Mr. Will, I feel like you're going to have a drastically different answer than TJ2 does because of something that we went through. So what do you know Angela Lansbury for? Well, I mean, Murder, She Wrote is obviously 
well nigh the top of the list, but we did get to go to a staged reading of a play in workshop called Oscar and the Lady in Pink. And um And what what happened? What happened? You fell apart at the seams. That's the short version. I did. Well, go ahead and tell the story. We're here now. Um, she's, so she's we, we got we got to go to a very exclusive screening and I mean a showing of the play. And it was just Angela Lansbury reading this at a podium, and it was one of the most compelling things I've ever seen. And she was in the lobby after the show. And Lindley had brought her DVD of Anastasia to be signed. And there was Angela Lansbury, there was Lindley, and just suddenly, you know, she froze. And I said, well, go talk to her. So LD quickly finished her champagne, uh, walked over to Angela Lansbury, who turned very kindly and nodded. And at that point, a string of things came out of LD's mouth that are still in question to this day. Some of them were characters she played. There was mutterings and then Mrs. Potts and then uh, Murder, She Wrote. And then I think Angela Lansbury asked you, did you like the play, dear? And then you held out with a shaky hand a copy of the DVD to which Angela Lansbury responded. Angela Lansbury responded, where on earth did you get this? Because but, uh, the, she, the cover was from the original yep. 1997 release of Anastasia on DVD. Like it's, yeah. I had had it for at this point, maybe 10 years. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And the signed copy still adorns our DVD shelf to this day. Angela Lansbury is known for so much now. Her final appearance in any film is one that we haven't seen yet, which is Knives Out, Glass Onion, which was released this year. And Lansbury died in her sleep at her Los Angeles home on October the 11th at age 96. Will told me not to look at my phone after I woke up from a nap, and I did. And I cried for a good solid half hour and then immediately started watching Murder, She Wrote. So... Interesting story. I actually saw it, I think, first and told Will. I didn't want to tell you. I knew I knew it would that one would it hit you hard enough that I, I texted Will and told him and said, I'm telling you this because I feel like you should go tell her. Yeah. Like I don't want her to find out, you know, by looking at Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Yeah. There are deaths that really hit you. And that was one of them. Like I just I hated it. I it, that one stung. So I'm going to play my song now, which, of course, if I chose anything else, it would be a crime. I'm going to play Angela Lansbury's Beauty and the Beast. As old as time True as it can be Barely even friends Then somebody bends Unexpectedly Just a little change Small to say the least both a little scared, neither one prepared, beauty and the beast. Ever just the same, ever a surprise, ever as before. 
just as sure as the sun will rise. Tailors old as time, tune as old as song, bittersweet and strange, finding you can change, learning you were wrong. As the sun rising in the east, tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the beast. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty. Off to the cupboard with you now, Chip. It's past your bedtime. Good night, love. I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah, that's a telephone man. She was kind of the world's grandma. Yes, she was. Absolutely. You know, I feel like every time I would watch her, I'd be watching my grandmother because I was so tiny when when we were growing up that she would put me in her lap and I could lay. She she always had a rocking chair. That's where she sat. And I could lay in between the armrests and I would watch Murder, She Wrote with Grandma. And so I will always have a good memory of her. She was wonderful. And she was insanely talented, as was this next person. And then I'll have an announcement after this. We lost, very early in the year, we lost Meatloaf, Marvin Lee a day. Uh, that was another one. one that I just woke up crying. Yeah, The hardworking singer and actor whose theatrical Bad Out of Hell is one of the best-selling albums ever, who also played in... One of my favorite films of all time, Noah Back and Forth in My Sleep, which was he played Eddie in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, has passed away. Meatloaf died in Nashville, Tennessee on the evening of January 20th, 2022, at the age of 74. No official cause of death was released, but he was reportedly ill with COVID-19 early in January. And reporting by TMZ suggested that he died from COVID-19 complications. After his health rapidly declined, his two daughters rushed to see him in the hospital with his wife beside him as he died. His daughter posted to Instagram in early January that we're not sick, but we have many friends who are testing positive for COVID-19 right now. Positive, but doing okay. Upon his passing, notable people posted tributes, including Bonnie Tyler, of course, Cher, Brian May, Boy George, Piers Morgan, Travis Tritt, Marley Matlin, Stephen Fry, and his Rocky Horror co-star, Neil Campbell, and Donald Trump. The Queen's Guard performed a rendition of I Would Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That. But here's my announcement. I will cover this and more because I'm calling an audible and I'll be doing Meatloaf next season. Oh, the loaf. Yeah, so unfortunately for now, Jonathan Larson will be put on hold 
Um, also, it's incredibly hard. I've been trying to do as much research as I can on Jonathan Larson, but there's no definitive biography. And so I'm still going to be working on it. So it'll probably happen next draft. But as it stands right now, Jonathan Larson will be put on hold and I will be covering Meatloaf. Very much looking forward to it. Very, very much. You guys know how much I loved him. And it's so hard to have watched his Instagram and stuff and watch his videos and just know that like it seemed like he was totally fine one day and gone the next. And it was so fast. So I'm looking forward to covering Meatloaf because I think he's going to be incredibly interesting. So uh, hopping back onto the list, Maxi Jazz was an English musician for Faithless. He was uh, 65. And he was part of a trans group that was best known for hits such as Insomnia and We Come One. He performed with Tiesto, Dido, Robbie Williams, and Jamiroquai and toured with his own group, the Maxi Jazz and the E-Type Boys. Jet Black, an English drummer from the Stranglers, was 84. Jet Black was the original drummer for the 1970s, 1980s punk band. His band actually confirmed his death. He was born Brian Duffy, and he was actually a founding member of the Guilford Group, playing on hits like Golden Brown, Peaches, and No More Heroes. Here's another one that really hurt any kid that has ever had a television. Bob McGrath. He was 90. Bob McGrath was one of the original human stars on Sesame Street and a longtime staple on that show for years. Henry Adams, Dutch orchestral conductor, passed away at the age of 68 after a painful illness. I hate hearing that. In 2008, he was appointed the director of the Castillo Symphony Orchestra, whom he performed at many unforgettable concerts. Another big one that kind of shook the industry was Irene Cara, American singer and actress, she was 63. The Oscar-winning singer had the title tracks for Fame and Flashdance under her belt. She died at 63 in her Florida home of undisclosed causes. The thing about her death was that she had been the subject of an internet hoax prior. And I don't know why people do this. Internet hoaxes are not funny at all, guys. And so when I saw this again, I was like, is this another internet hoax? But no, sadly, she did pass away. Joyce Bryant, American singer, dancer, and civil rights activist, died at the age of 95. She passed away peacefully at her home, surrounded by her loving family. Gal Costa, which was a Brazilian singer, passed away at the age of 77. She's one of the greatest voices in Brazilian pop music. Died at the age of 77. The information was confirmed by the artist's press office. Her cause of death is still unknown. Greg Philbin, American rock bassist for REO Speedwagon, passed away at the age of 75. He played on the band's first six studio albums and appeared on 1977's live You Get What You Play For. Jody Miller, American country singer, died at the age of 80 due to Parkinson's disease. The Grammy-winning Oklahoma artist died uh, in Blanchard due to complications from the disease. Uh, she won a Grammy for Best Female Vocal Performance on her song, Queen of the House. It was her biggest hit, and it was a counter to a fellow Oklahoman's Roger Miller's chart-topping song, King of the Road. So I guess they were doing diss tracks even back then. Jesse Powell was an American R&B singer who succumbed to cardiac arrest at the age of 51. His death was confirmed on social media. 
PNB Rock, who is an American rapper, was shot at a restaurant. He was only 30. Another rapper passed away of a drug overdose. That was Big Scar. He was Memphis born. And according to reports, his real name was Alexander Woods. And he was only 22. Oh, wow. Michael James Jackson, American producer for KISS, passed away due to complications of COVID-19 at the age of 56. He worked on several of the band's 1980 albums. We have Alan White, English Hall of Fame drummer for Yes, passed away at the age of 72. His wife, Gigi, confirmed in a statement on wife's Facebook. It said, Alan White, our beloved husband, dad, grandpa, has passed away at the age of 72 at his Seattle area home on May 26th, 2022, after a brief illness. Norman Doff, American singer, songwriter, and publisher, died at the age of 83 of cancer. He was one of the early Velvet Underground producers and appeared first on Consequence. Andrew Wolfock, he was the American saxophonist for Earth, Wind & Fire, passed away at the age of 71. He played on countless hits by the group and so much more. One that hit really, really hard for all my friends on social media. This this seemed to be one that really struck a chord in the same vein as Robin Williams. And that was Stephen Boss, whose name was actually more well-known, which was Twitch. Uh, he was an American dancer, but he was also the DJ for the Ellen DeGeneres show, and he passed away of suicide. And that that one, that one gained a lot of traction. That was fairly recent, wasn't it? Yes, it was December the thirteenth that yeah. we found out. But I mean, everyone, my mom had posted something about it. Literally, like everyone. You couldn't on my on my personal Facebook feed. You couldn't scroll more than like two or three posts without somebody posting something about Twitch. He was one of those performers that you just you would watch him and it would bring a smile to your face. He was joyful. He was talented. He was such a hard worker and he was such a light. And so you just never really know what anybody's going through. And you know, unfortunately. They found him, I believe, a couple miles away at a motel. And it's just, it's just that's one of the, for me, it was so incredibly sad because I remember him on So You Think You Can Dance. I remember the door dance. I remember the therapy dance. Like, I, he was just, I just loved him. But he was also a DJ. And so, sadly, he has passed away. We have another DJ. And that is DJ Delete, who was an Australian DJ, passed away due to an overdose. Real name, Ryan Biggs. He was, uh, they, they found him in a city in Holland that I will not even attempt to pronounce. You think my brother's bad with the Italian? I am even worse with Holland. Jake Flint, singer-songwriter from Oklahoma, from the uh, the band Red Dirt. Oh, this one's this one's go- oh this one's awful. This one's gutting. I, I wasn't even that familiar with him, but just when I read the the story, I just thought, oh oh my, this is oh this is horrible, awful. Yeah, um, give a little insight. Well, uh, the only thing I know is a he was he's very young, and uh, b he died a few hours after he got married. 
Yep. Ugh, man. Yeah, he passed away in his sleep just a few hours after his wedding to his wife, Brenda Flint, on November 27th at the age of 37. Like, God, that is... That, that was one of those, like, this has to be clickbait. This can't be real. And no, it's very real. And yeah. Uh, and then someone I actually got to work with when I was way younger, Sidney Poitier, 94. He was a groundbreaking actor and transformed how the world saw black actors. He kind of came in and kicked the door down. And when I got to work with him, it was a movie called The Last Brickmaker in America. I believe it was one of his last things that he worked on. He was so kind and so generous with his time and just one of the nicest people that I've ever gotten the honor to work with. But he was also a singer and he released several songs. Well, there's there's several clips of him singing, and they're all just awesome. The only problem is I would play them here. Maybe I'll put them on our Facebook page. I would put them here, but the sound quality is so bad from those days that I, I'm afraid that it wouldn't come across. So maybe what I'll do is I'll throw those up on our socials. The next one that passed away was Sonny Turner, an American singer for The Platters. He had throat cancer. And he passed away at the age of 83. He died last Thursday, you know, that's January the 13th, 2022, at his daughter's home in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Dallas Frazier, American country music singer and songwriter, wrote the song <laughs> that I love and I believe I did a dance to at the old folks home that my mom would, you know, take me to dancing to. He wrote Elvira. Wow. Yeah. Giddy up, a um, pop, a um, pop, a mow, mow. Yep. Passed away at the age of 82. Something that we don't talk a lot about here, but I feel like we should in the future, which is actual disc jockeys, which one of them was Ralph Emery. He's an American disc jockey and television host. Passed away at the age of 88. He is a country music hall of famer and the host of TNN's premier talk show, Nashville Now. He died at the age of 88. At one point, he hosted like every show on TNN. He was like a country Ryan Seacrest or uh, what's his name that's on every show. Every show has either uh, Ryan Seacrest or uh, the guy who screwed up the Miss America pageant. What's his name? Steve Harvey. Oh, Steve Harvey, thank you. Yeah, it was like them. He was on every show <laughs> somehow. You know what? If If... In the words of the producers, if you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> if you book it, write it, dude. Keep going. The next one is Frederick Johannesson, which was a Swedish heavy metal guitarist for the band Dark Tranquility. He was 47, and he passed after a three-year battle with cancer. Chuck Chris uh, was an American music, sorry, American musician for the freelance Wales. He was 36. He's actually the brother of Darren Chris, and he passed by his own hand. He died of suicide in March. We also have Bobby Nelson, a.k.a. Sister Bobby, an American pianist and singer. She was 91. Bobby was an original member of her younger brother, Willie Nelson's family band. Yep. No cause of death was given. And so for our final one, I would like to talk about Dame Olivia Newton-John. She was a British-Australian singer, actress, and activist, four-time Grammy winner, 
whose music career included 15 top 10 singles, including five number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100 and two number one albums on the Billboard 200. If you love me, let me know. And have you never been mellow? 11 of her singles, including two platinum and 14 of her albums, including two platinum and four two times platinum, have been certified gold by the Record Industries Association of America or the rah, 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 rah. In 1978, we all know that Olivia Newton-John starred in the film Grease, which was the highest grossing musical film at the time and whose soundtrack remains one of the world's best-selling albums, full stop. It features two major hit duets with co-star John Travolta, You're the One That I Want, is one of the best-selling singles of all time, and Summer Nights, which is her signature solo recording, uh, includes the Record of the Year Grammy winner, Honestly, I Love You, from 1974, and Physical, 1981, Billboard's highest-ranking Hot 100 singles of the 1980s. Other defining hit singles include If Not For You, Banks of the Ohio, Let Me Be There, If You Love Me, Let Me Know, Have You Never Been Mellow, Sam, Hopelessly Devoted to You, A Little More Love, Twist of Fate, and from the film Xanadu, Magic and Xanadu with the Electric Light Orchestra. In May of 2017, it was announced that Olivia Newton-John's breast cancer had returned and metastasized to her lower back. Her back pains initially had been diagnosed as sciatica. She subsequently revealed that this was actually her third bout with breast cancer and that she had uh, a recurrence of the disease in 2013 in addition to her initial 1992 diagnosis. With the 2017 reoccurrence, the cancer had spread to her bones and progressed to stage four. Noonjohn experienced significant pain from her bone lesions and had spoken of her use of cannibal oil to ease her pain. She was an advocate for the use of medical cannabis, and her daughter, Chloe, actually owns a cannabis farm in Oregon. That's just a fun fact. Fun fact! Fun fact. Yeah. Olivia Newton-John died from cancer on August the 8th, 2022 at age 73 in her home in the San Ynez Valley of California. Tributes, of course, were paid by John Travolta, Barbara Streisand, and so many others. As a mark of respect, Melbourne and Sydney lit up many of their landmarks. In September of 2022, Newton John's family held a very small and private memorial service in California for the singer who asked to be cremated and have her ashes scattered in Byron Bay on her San Ynez ranch and in other places that I love. A large memorial is slated to take place in Melbourne, Australia after the state of Victoria offered Newton John's family a state funeral with her niece, Toddy Goldsmith, saying that they have accepted. So that's where that's where we are going to end our show today. There will be a lot of things in the show notes. If we didn't talk about your favorite again, I'm so sorry. There's only so much time. This has actually taken us about two and a half hours to record. It's going to be a very long episode, but what can you say about these people's lives? They have touched us in so, so many ways, some of them more than others, of course, but we feel their loss and we feel their absence. But I don't actually know who said it, but someone said, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. We got to live our lives 
with these people in them. And you, again... I think it was Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Well, they're never, they're never gone. All you have to do is just press play. And so I'm going to give out our socials and then we'll wrap up. So if you think we're doing a great job and want to throw some points... I'm sorry. One more thing. I'm happy to report that of the gigantic list that we have of all the artists who died this year, I think you said there are something like 800, which you're going to post on our socials. Very happy to report that we did not have to discuss the death of any members of Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Bye! Am I supposed to yell now? And the joke can continue. Yay! Let's finish off the year with our patron saint of the podcast, Mr. Tom McGinnis. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Tom McGuinness, and that was your federally mandated Manfred Mann reference of the podcast. I hope you are satisfied. I still can't believe that's a thing that happened it's in It's going to be great in 2023, too. Yeah, it's just... Ah, what is my life? I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in supporting the show, you can do that a couple different ways. Uh, if you want to throw us some coin, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash rockandrollheaven. You can check out our Twitter at rockandrolllt. I suggest you don't do that. And it's a vast rolling wasteland that I don't think we've posted in almost a year. So... I don't even know why this is still on the list. But anyway, it fills out the end. Whatever. Our Instagram, Rock and Roll Heaven LT. You can check out our Facebook at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. Still not saying our website. Haven't since day one. It's not going to happen, kids. And you can check us out on TikTok. Please do, because we would love to go live over there. And you can do that at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod, where we do fun facts and all that kind of cool stuff. And uh, you can email us at rockandrollheavenlt at gmail.com. And please make sure to check out all the other awesome Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com. And although we did not do a commercial for it in this episode, please make sure uh, that if for any reason you find that the holiday season is not good for your mental health, you can always check out BetterHelp. I will leave all that information in the show notes. So with that, uh, T... Would you care to wrap up this year? Yes, I would like to uh, thank everybody for being part of what we do. We appreciate the feedback we get and the interaction we get to have with some of you guys. And 2023 is going to be jam-packed with, I think, Stephen Sondheim is next. And then Waylon Jennings is after that. And then we get into just all kinds of terrific artists. So hope you'll stick around. And bye, everybody. All right. T, thank you. Will the thrill, or what do we call you? The third will? Third will. Third third monkey, I don't remember. <laughs> would you like to wrap up this year and uh, give us your thoughts? Oh, I would say 2023 is probably going to be a little bit of a different sort of approach with the artists we're doing, and it's going to be an interesting year. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I hope everybody enjoyed, you know, the material thus far. And um, I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I will say last week, we actually got to go to New York and I got to see a bunch of Broadway shows and it was awesome. And I just felt like I needed to say that. This year has been really great. I'm so glad that we got, you know, people like Zach, who's on the show now, who's doing editing, who's taking a little bit off me. So happy that he's part of this group and very thankful for that. And thank you guys for sticking with us for as long as you have. I, I love that we have a family that constantly participates on our Facebook page, on TikTok and our Instagram. And, uh, you know, we can't do the show without you guys. So we are 
eternally grateful. And we'll hope that you guys continue to listen to us. And I guess at the end, I just hope you guys have a happy, fulfilled, awesome new year. We love you guys so much. And we will see you on the other side of the new year with Stephen Sondheim. I'm going to have to watch a lot of Stephen Sondheim. And it's going to be a thing. So I love you guys so much. Please take care of yourself. And we'll see you next episode. Now, to wrap this up... I'm actually going to play a song from Olivia Newton-John to wrap up this year. And that's the song, I Honestly Love You. Take care, guys. See you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.